0: She's in hospice care, but Trina's there all the time and taking really good care of her. And she misses you, but she says, keep praying. So we'll do that, won't we? Catherine Floyd uh, is at Landmark undergoing therapy. Turner Foster's recovering from a broken wrist. A bunch of COVID-19 cases still. I see people walking around with masks. I'm assuming they're in recovery from that and so forth. Uh, Larry Wallace, um, a friend of some, he, he has some health problems, and he's back at Vanderbilt trying to determine what exactly it is. Samantha Carlson is going to be having an appointment with the doctor. It's either tomorrow or Friday. I think it's Friday, but they're going to do an MRI on her foot, trying to determine what the source of her pain is. Real don't know for sure. Chris Langley's Uncle Bill had his kidney removed because of renal cell carcinoma. Please remember him, his recovery. Jim Estes has been in the hospital. He was from last week through the weekend, had gallbladder surgery on Monday. He's been released from the hospital. He also had COVID, so couldn't go visit him. But they're they're home now, and hoping that he'll be out and about on Friday. Ann Langford is a friend of Lisa Peaks. Uh, she's going to be having some eye surgery, possibly very soon, and she'd appreciate you remembering her. Our granddaughter, Ellie, so recently she had COVID, and I don't know, COVID seems to open you up to all sorts of things. Then she ended up having this RSV, which is a respiratory virus. Mostly little children have the hardest time with it. She's kind of gotten over that too, but she's still coughing and kind of wheezing a little bit. So Casey was going to take her to maybe the emergency room, have them check her out. We'd appreciate you remembering her. And then Tommy wanted me to just share this with you. Our Northeast night. Now, I haven't been here when we had this, but most of you have. It's a big night for us. That's going to be August the 14th. So that's not this coming Sunday, but the next we're gonna need everybody to pitch in and help with preparing food. There are several lists out there in the foyer on this left side, on my left side over here. If you'll go over there and, and look, lots of places for you to sign up. And as an added benefit, some of the ingredients are gonna be supplied. For instance, a gallon cans of potatoes, green beans, and baked beans are gonna be available on Sunday if you can use those in preparation That'll be over in the annex, and you can take those, use that as you're making ready for this event. And also, you know, we made an appeal Sunday for repairs on this building, and I specified a certain amount. I was just kind of shooting for the moon, thinking how amazing would that be? I want you tonight, go look at that board, and then just think of me going, yes, way to go. Thank you. Okay? Yeah. We met that and exceeded it. So excited. Thank you. Okay. Anybody else? sorry to hear that. that. That's devastating for a family. But. Yeah. Just She's just spending a lot of time with her mom, but thank you for sharing that, we'll definitely pray for Alicia Dunlap. Okay. Oh, yes. Who? 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 All right, we'll probe that too. Oh, yes, okay. Okay, I hate to hear that too, but that's our reality, right? These are people we know, so... Okay, let's sing a song and then we'll have our prayer and begin our Bible study. 327, All because of God's amazing grace. Well, that's what it is, isn't it? It's all because of that. Okay.
1: Amen. hey
0: together. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for the blessing of this beautiful day. Thank you for the privilege, the opportunity it is now for us to be assembled here. Most of us feeling really good physically and being able to study together as a group your word. I pray, Lord, that it'll be a benefit to all of us. But many of us have on our hearts people that we're concerned about and so we, we just want to offer a prayer on their behalf. They can't be here. Many, if they could, they certainly would be. But we're just praying, Lord, that you'll hear us and at least provide the comfort that they need to to go day by day. We pray for Irene Baker as she has terminal cancer. Martha Eaton in her recovery. And we're just, we're so thankful she's doing as well as she is, and we pray a full recovery for her and look forward to seeing her here very soon. We pray for Austin Wentz as he continues to undergo treatments. We pray his body will be able to endure all that and bear up under it. Pray for Terry Green that maybe soon his treatments will be finished. Pray for Ann Stevens and her health problems, for Kim Fowler and recovery with her foot. Ask your blessings on Don Dawson that he'll get better every day and it's really great to know he is making some some real progress. Please be with Johnny Howe in her battle with cancer. Be with Connie Mooney as she is trying to recover from this hip replacement surgery. Bless Hugh James who has cancer. Bless Quitman in In his current situation, I know he's not happy to be at Landmark, but it is a blessing that he can walk again and is able, able to do a lot of things he wants to do. And if it's your will, we would love to see him back home again. We pray for Geraldine Taylor and comforting her and her family as she has this dreaded disease. Pray for Randy Stutz that his knee is going to feel normal again and that he doesn't have any restrictions. We pray a full recovery. Bless Sterling Phillips who's having surgery tomorrow. We pray it's a huge success and he can recover quickly. We pray for the Davis family as Wade is still missing. We just pray for closure for this family. Bless Jennifer Bonham and her treatment for her health issues. Be with Justin Moreland as he's recovering from his injuries. Carolyn Wilcutt, that she'll be able to get through her rehab and, and feel normal again. Pray for Dorothy Hester, that she'll have good days and that her foot's healing properly. Bless Chopper's brother's wife, in her recovery with her back. And we pray for Andrea's Aunt Bob and her comfort. We pray for Nada Bullock, that she'll have really good days. And bless Trina, as she is caring for her. We pray for Catherine Floyd, that she'll be out of therapy soon back with us. Bless Turner Foster, he'll have a full recovery. Pray for Larry Wallace, who's back at Vanderbilt. We pray his problems can be discovered be with Samantha Carlson, who is to see about her foot this week. We pray that they'll determine exactly what the problem is. We pray for Chris Langley's uncle as he's recovering from his surgery. We pray a full recovery for him. Bless Jim Estes as he's had several health issues, just one on top of the other. and We pray he's getting his strength back and he'll be with us soon. Pray for Ann Langford that her surgery, if she has it, will go well and we just pray a full recovery for her and, and good use of her eyes. I pray your blessings on our little granddaughter Ellie and pray that she'll be able to overcome the respiratory problem she's having. We pray for Alicia Dunlap for her congestive heart failure and the necessity of hospice, and we pray for her caregivers and and for her in this situation. We pray for Marianne Holly and the surgery that she's going to have and. We pray that it will be a success. We pray for Christy Holt, who has bone cancer. And uh, I know it must be frustrating to have won that battle before, and now to have to deal with it again. And we pray for uh, Joan and Martha's sister, Norma, as she's having uh, just a bad time with uh, the results of having her teeth pulled. We pray that whatever infection is going on can be remedied and that she'll feel better real soon. Lord, please bless us in our study tonight and help us just week by week that as we just unwrap some of the the great treasures in your word that not only will be helpful to us, but useful so that we can share your truth with other people. And thank you for the blessing of your word and for the time that we can have to study it together in Jesus name. Amen. Okay, in this class, we're going to be studying from the book of Acts. I know. You may be thinking, Ken, seriously, I've been through study of the book of Acts like 20 times in my life. I know everything there is to know about the book of Acts. Okay, this is for you. Peace. But it was on the schedule, so here we are. <laughs> hey, I've been through lots of studies of the book of Acts. In fact, I remember... One time, I was younger, but I remember the adults talking about in the adult Bible class, hey, uh, you know, what what are we going to study next? And somebody said, well, we haven't studied the book of Acts in a while. Let's study that. And I, my experience with the book of Acts has maybe been kind of like yours, that it went indefinitely long, you know, just seemed like never got finished with it. Certainly the book of Acts is important and we need to study it. And I, I really don't want this study to be like anything you've done before. I feel like the whole matter of teaching something is to share something with somebody that they don't know yet. Or maybe just just from, just from the standpoint of my sharing what I know about the word, that maybe that will impart something that's useful to you. Or, wow. If we have all of that experience and knowledge about this book, then it seems like it would just be a cinch to go through it and to be able to develop some things that are going to be useful to all of us. Now tonight, I'm I, I'm I'm hoping you'll do like me. I, see what I have, I have? You see it right there. It's a notepad. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go through some introductory things with you. I'm going to jot down some thoughts that I have. And I'm sharing with you the things that I think are going to be beneficial for you as we're going through this book. So next week, we will begin actually in the text itself and looking at some things that are important for us to know. And I'll share with you, Lord willing, a basic outline of what I intend to do uh, with the study over the next three months. Okay, so when I talk about introduction... To the book of Acts, or it might it might just be laid out in your Bible when you look at the title for this book. It says the Acts of the Apostles. Okay, in terms of an introduction, this un- introduction just basically uh, attempts to describe the contents. Hope you can read that. That's my scratch, and you see I don't have something solid so. Don't be rough. Okay, so the Acts of the Apostles, that title just basically describes what you find in the book. You say, well, who named these books? You might be surprised to find, I don't know, that the titles to these books were not divinely allotted. For instance, they didn't find a manuscript that said the Acts of the Apostles at the top of it. As far as anybody can ascertain, probably the title for this book, The Acts of the Apostles, came actually toward the end of the second century by a man by the name of Irenaeus. Irenaeus was a bishop in the church in the second century. He's especially noted because he claimed to have actually known John the Apostle, the last apostle to live. So he was kind of the last connection to the first century apostles. That's his that's his claim to fame. But the other claim to fame is, well, this. <laughs> he gave the, the title name to this book, because he read it a lot, kind of reminiscing things that stories that he had heard about the development of the church in the first century. And so he often referred to it as the Acts of the Apostles. But if you have read this book, is that really a great name for this book? Okay. Uh, Yeah, sort of. For instance, in the first chapter, you have a list of all of the acts of the apostles, but actually the book deals with basically two of the apostles. One of them is Peter, and Peter is primarily spoken of through the first 12 chapters. Then we have another mention of him in chapter 15 when there's this big conference back in Jerusalem, but otherwise we don't hear any more out of Peter from about the end of chapter 12 starting in chapter 13 through the rest of the book it's mostly about what guy paul so if you if you're i think my opinion if you're going to more accurately title this you might call it the acts of some of the apostles <laughs> or the acts of peter and paul maybe that's maybe that's more to the point because much of this book in fact some people kind of mused the idea that this book exists in order to explain exactly to the Jews how it is that the Gentiles received the gospel. Because so far as anybody knew, early in the beginning and establishment of the church, most people thought that the church was for whom? Jews only. And it wasn't until chapter 8 when there's this great persecution that arises and people have to scatter that the word is actually being spread throughout the whole world. So I just think it's interesting that when it comes to the name of the book, that it doesn't really tell it doesn't really tell the entire the entire story. Okay, so I want to get to purpose because this is going to help you to understand where I'm coming from as a teacher, what, what my plan is in regard to our study. Um, One purpose of this book is to describe the establishment. Establishment. (laughs) I really don't write this bad. You know, actually, I read that if you would learn to use a fountain pen, that that it would help your penmanship. So what I did was I got a fountain pen. And now I can scribble with a fountain pen, (laughs) about like I can with a regular pen. It didn't help me at all. I think I'm too quick in writing. But anyway, uh, the first thing that we're going to do, beginning next Wednesday night, is we are going to look at the scriptures that describe the establishment of the church. Okay? We'll look at the first two chapters of the book of Acts, and there won't be any question as to how the plan that Jesus had laid out. Remember in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said he was going to build how many churches? He said, I'm going to build singularly my church. The gates of Hades, death is not going to prevail against it. Well, Jesus died. Did that shut the whole thing down? No, he rose again from the grave. And when he rose again, he spent time with these very disciples that are mentioned here in the very first chapter And he explains to them exactly what is going to happen, what's going to unfold in order to bring to fruition the prophecy. I mean, it's a prophecy, right? About the coming of the church. We're going to see, it's a beautiful thing. We're going to see all of that unfold together. So we've got the establishment of the church. Another thing that is primary in my mind here in the book of Acts is uh, conversions. Okay? Conversions. There are actually nine conversion stories that are mentioned in this book. And Lord willing, time allowing, we're going to look at every single one of them. What we're going to look for is consistency throughout. Well, I've already looked at them, (laughs) and absolutely, we're going to find a great deal of consistency in these studies. Another thing that we're going to notice along the way is that as as we begin, we began there in Jerusalem with 3,000, right? Okay? On that... Gospels preached, 3,000 souls obeyed the gospel, were baptized. We're going to notice that as you go along through the book of Acts, there are comments occasionally about how the church is doing. And instead of using words like accumulation and then here's the number, it doesn't even go into that. You get the idea the church grows exponentially. First, it talks about how people are being added to the church and then they're being increasingly added. And before you know it, you start hearing words like multiplied and the thing gets so out of control that there are hardly any words to describe the incredible growth of the church. So if you're reading that and there are hints about how the church is developing in that time in one in one just localized period of time, don't you think that'd be useful to us? I mean, we want the church to grow exponentially too, don't we? Yeah, instead of going backward, we want it to be going we want it to be going forward, so we're going to be looking at growth and then um, along with that, I mentioned Jesus prophesied scattered throughout this book are several different prophecies from the Old Testament scriptures being fulfilled, and then the speakers are using those prophecies in order to not give significance to the word, but to actually back up what it is that they have to say. So we also want to look at some of these prophecies. And then finally, you will love this. We'll see this along the way too, but if we have the time, we'll go into it more deeply. Uh, The book of Acts is a lot about the work of the Holy Spirit. After all, Jesus told his apostles that he's getting ready to leave But don't worry, I'm going to do what? I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the helper. He is going to come and he is going to remind you of all the things that I've said. He is going to bring to your mind all truth. So it's during this period of time that the Holy Spirit comes and empowers those who are preaching. It empowers those who are working in the church. You see all that stuff happening and being mentioned as the church is in its infancy and it is growing in this exponential sort of way. So what I'm, what I'm telling you is that these, these are the primary things. Remember what the first word was? The establishment of the church. That's primary. We want to nail that down. We'll talk about the conversions that take place. There are nine of them. We'll review each one. We'll talk about the growth of the church throughout. We'll talk about the prophecies. We'll talk about the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay, sometimes there is a question about the author of this book. Primarily and ultimately, and who cares who the human is, the one who wrote this book ultimately is God Did. God Did, inspired by the Holy Spirit, right? This is God's production. However, God uses people as his instrument for production. So who is the author of the book of Acts? Okay, Everybody says Luke. Now, what verse in the book of Acts says Luke wrote it? Okay, Luke 1 and verse 3, and you can look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 1. You will see similarly that those books have an introduction, both of which are addressed to one person. Remember who that was? Oh, Theophilus. Okay. Well... Show me then of the book of Luke where it says Luke wrote the book of Luke. (laughs) Ha ha, I gotcha. (laughs) Write it down, somebody. No. Okay, so say, well, Ken, right over there at the top, it says Luke. Okay, peace. Well, guess what? That's an assignment too. Somebody sat down and said, okay, question, who wrote this book? And then, this book's like that one, so who wrote these books? In fact, you might not know this, but scholars tend to group these books together. They call it Luke-Acts. I don't know, with a little hyphen in between it, as though they are the same book. Acts is the sequel to Luke. These two books comprise 27.5% of the New Testament scriptures. So is that a big deal? That's a over a quarter of the New Testament scriptures. That's a pretty big deal. And all of it is is historical, so it's telling us genuine facts and events that took place, things that could be verified. So if you're going to put something under the microscope, that's going to be a great place to to put it to ascertain truth is what they're telling us absolutely true. Okay, who wrote this book? How would I know? Well, okay, here's something that we can do. I want you to look at Acts chapter 16 and verse 10. Acts 16 and verse 10. Somebody has that real quick, read it. Acts chapter 16, verse 10. Because I'm going to tell you that this verse right here is a major, major turning point in the book. Acts chapter 16, verse 10. Who has it? Read it, please. Wait, stop! Who sought to go to Macedonia? Who was it? We! We! Okay, so here's something we're going to find from Acts chapter 16, verse 10, until the end of the book. Words like we, our, us. Those are first person plural pronouns. First person, plural, pronouns. Okay, so we say, beginning basically around chapter 13, although we're introduced to him in chapter 9, but basically beginning in chapter 13, much of the emphasis is on Paul and his ministry primarily to what group of people? The Gentiles. Okay, so... By the time we get to chapter 16, we're way into the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Yet in chapter 16, verse 10, we find now that instead of just talking about Paul and his work, now it's we and us and our. What does that tell you about the author of the book? Okay, he was with the Apostle Paul. He was somebody who traveled with the Apostle Paul. Okay, so do this. Somebody look up Colossians chapter 4. And read verses 10 to 14. Who will do that? Just raise your hand and you can be looking it up. Anybody? Okay, Martha's going to read that. Colossians chapter 4, verses 10 to 14. The second one we're going to look at is Philemon and verse 24, because Philemon only has one chapter. Uh, Verse 24, somebody, who's going to look that one up? Martha got the other one. Who's got this one? Philemon. Can you find it? It's right before Hebrews. So you find Hebrews, back up one. And then be careful because it's real short. Who will read it? It's only one verse. Not the whole chapter. Okay, JT's going to do that one. And then the other one, to me, this is the this is the coup de grace. This is this is the big one right here, okay? Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11. Uh, who will get that one? And you see, you got all this time to get that one. Okay, right here. All right, Colossians chapter 4, verses 10 to 14. Listen very carefully.
1: What? Air Stars. Air Stars. Air Stars. I have a question. Arthur. My fellow creator greets you with Mark, the husband of Barbara, about whom you receive instructions. He comes to you, welcome. And Jesus, who is called Justice.
0: when he was talking about all these other people that he works with must have been right there don't leave me hanging here now must have been right there with him hey uh when when you talk to somebody hey uh so-and-so they're right they say hello you ever do that speak for somebody they're with me luke and demas they're with me they say hello Another thing to notice was he mentioned all those who were his close co workers who were Jews. Then he says, then there's these other guys. So, one thing we kind of know about Luke and Demas is also what about them? Most likely starts with a G and ends with entiles. Okay? Okay? Just, just put that in your computer. Okay, uh, Philemon and verse 24. Demas and, Demas and Luke. With me, Demas and Luke tend to stay with whom? Apostle Paul. Okay, and then Second uh, Timothy chapter four verse eleven. What's that one? Yes. Oh, Holy person the only person that has stayed with me this whole time is Luke. Luke. Okay, is there a consistent thread running through the list of people that Paul says are with me? And is there one who, if you were going to choose somebody to kind of chronicle and document your activities, which of these guys would you have used? Why not Luke, right? Why not Luke? Let's use Luke. Luke also is described as being a... Did you catch it? He had an occupation. He was a physician. Uh, What do you know about physicians? And I'll just say, typically what is true about physicians now was actually true about physicians back then. Physicians tended to be what? Educated. Okay? Now, I am no linguist scholar. However, those who are when they look at these books of Luke and Acts, they say, the writing here is the top level. This is about as advanced of Greek as you're going to find anywhere. So, most folks kind of accumulating these things have come to the conclusion that it was Luke who penned these things. Now, let me ask you this question too. I don't know if you've been paying attention to the children's little song Uh, about the apostles, but which apostle was Luke? About basically when was he chosen as an apostle? Number three. Okay, any other guess? Luke was not one of the apostles. Luke was not one of the apostles. Is it possible for someone who is not an apostle to be used by God by inspiration in order to present God's truth? Uh, Yeah, I would also throw in that mix. Okay, so you say, well, Luke wrote one of those Gospels. Ken, seriously? How how would he have known? Well, back up. Um, Which one of the apostles is Mark? Is he number what out of 12? Two? (laughs) Mark wasn't an apostle either. These are not trick questions, but apparently they are. So you've got... Matthew, who is an apostle, Mark, who's not an apostle, Luke, who's not an apostle, and John, who is an apostle. Two of the writers of the New Testament Gospels of Jesus Christ weren't even apostles. You say, well, okay, hold on there a second. So, wait a minute. Who was Mark? Well, Mark, we believe, is none other than John Mark, who is the guy who was kicked out of missionary work by none other than Paul, the apostle. However, Paul later said, according to what we just read a moment ago, he wanted him there because he became what? He became very useful. So did he advance? He become better as, as a helper? Yes, he did. Most scholars believe that Mark wrote his gospel for Peter. Wrote it for Peter. Most of Peter's action events take place in the book of Mark. Most people think Mark is the writer on Peter's behalf as Peter is recounting what he had to say. Guess who Luke is speaking for? You say, well, Paul wasn't there when Jesus... Wait a minute. Who taught Paul everything he needed to know? Jesus. What do you think Jesus told him? Most people think that when uh, Paul was away in Damascus for three years, guess who he was with learning from? Which accounts for the same amount of time that who spent with Jesus? The original apostles. Yes? Nod your head this way. Are you conscious? Okay, so you've got two non-apostles writing books for the two primary apostles who are actually the subjects of what book? The book of Acts, yes! Isn't that just... I just think that's amazing stuff. Okay, moving right along. So, mentioned about the comparison. Um, actually, Luther broke that down for us. If you compare the introductions to these two books, one of, one of the main reasons, aside from the similar use of words in both books, the introductions are basically the same. So, with uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 3, that introduction, very similar to Acts chapter 1, and verse 1. It's addressed to a guy by the name of Theophilus. Okay, so I've got theophilus. If you've studied Greek words before, theo is typically the Greek word for what? Theo, like theology. God, okay, God. Uh, Philos or philus? Philo? Philo, love or affection, okay? So the meaning of Theophilus is literally either friend of God or it could be lover of God. Now, first off, who would that be? Well, that could be any of us, right? Some people think that's a general introduction to any Christian or anybody who's a lover of God wants to know more about God. That's who that would be. More Others are like, wait, there's too much detail in here and specificity about the mission. Must have actually been a person. And... What kind of person would you actually address? Here's what this is going to be, and now here's the second installment, and this is what this is going to be. What do you expect that person to do with what you write to them? Is that a personal letter you're supposed to sock away and put in your drawer? Kind of get the idea. I'm just throwing this out there. Kind of get the idea this is going to be his publisher, right? The guy who's going to take the material and then see to it that it's distributed. Okay. Uh, there's also something something pretty interesting. We have a few minutes here. Something pretty interesting. I just want you to be aware that this happens in the book. I mentioned that this book is broken up. First half is Peter, second half is Paul. It is strikingly apparent as you read through this book that a lot of the things that happened to Peter also happened to Paul. For instance, there's this major ordeal about how Peter... Heals a lame man. He does that in the temple. Guess what Paul does? Heals a lame man. Peter heals people without even touching them as by remote. His shadow, people try to get in his shadow and they are healed. There's also a description of the Apostle Paul healing people by use of handkerchiefs and aprons. People just get a hold of that stuff and just because it's kind of like the remote action uh, of it all, Peter goes toe to toe with a sorcerer. His name is Simon. Well, guess what the apostle Paul does? He goes toe to toe with a sorcerer as well. His name is Elimus or Bar Jesus. The apostle Peter raises Tabitha from the dead, otherwise known as Dorcas. Wow! But guess what the apostle Paul does? The apostle Paul raises Eutychus uh, from the dead. Well, that's an interesting story because Eutychus fell asleep while Paul's preaching. Should have just left him dead, right? Uh, no, but he raised him up from the dead. I just think that's pretty striking. Uh, a lot of, just, just as you're reading it, just kind of keep your little senses open and look at the things that happens to Peter. When you get over here to Paul, it, it is, to me it's pretty striking. Now, question, what is the purpose of emphasizing those facts? Peter, the apostle to the Jews... Now, did he preach to the Gentiles? Oh, man alive, he, he opened the door of the gospel to Cornelius, so yeah, no doubt about that, but generally speaking, Peter was the guy who carried the gospel to the Jews. Paul's primary act, although, yeah, he preached the gospel to the Jews too, his primary act, his primary work was to share the gospel with the Gentiles. Okay, which apostle has the power of God? Both of them do. You say, well, Peter's greater than Paul because he could do... Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, he could do that, but guess what Paul could do? Same thing. Yeah, but Peter also raised... The, so did Paul. You see, it's it's trying to... I think it's trying to underline the fact that there was equality of the distribution of God's will both to the Jews and to the Gentiles. But you'll see it as we go along. Pretty exciting stuff. Okay. Your responsibility as a class is to read this book, okay? And then come to class. How easy can that be? Couldn't be easier, Ken. Thank you so much. Okay, let's have a quick prayer and then uh, we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you so much for your blessings today and thank you for this opportunity to study. Pray that it's useful to all of us and help us to be really discerning about your word and just growing in our knowledge and application of it. And thank you, Lord, for what we're about to embark upon an understanding of the conversions that take place in the Scripture. Let that be a pattern for us as we share the gospel with others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
2: Let's all kind of be coming on in and getting a seat if we can, please. Love to hear you talking like that. It's wonderful noise to hear people visiting and encouraging one another, and uh, that's one reason why we come together like we do, and so uh, that's a sign of a very healthy church. As we begin tonight, there's some announcements that we need to make. First of all, we're very happy that you're here tonight, and we're thankful that You've chosen to come, and that's especially true if you are a guest of ours tonight. We're honored to have you, and we hope that we'll treat you in a way that you will want to come back and be with us sometime again in the future. Of course, you are aware that a new quarter has begun. Uh, Of course, uh, beginning August 3rd in the Sunday auditorium class, you'll have Bible answers to denominational doctrines taught by Stephen Hodgin in the Sunday... Annex, uh, Judges and Ruth, taught by Ken Forrest, and in the little chapel, uh, we're going to have a new class that's going to start for young adults, and we're going to study the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, I'm going to begin, I'm, I'm going to kind of be the facilitator of the class and get us started with a couple of lessons, but we're going to have different teachers, many of you. You don't know it yet, but Stephen's going to approach you about probably... Uh, teaching one of those lessons and you'll have plenty of time to prepare but I think it's going to be good for the young adults to uh, have a class uh, by themselves Uh, of course Wednesday night uh, Ken is in the auditorium talking about acts and I'm in the annex talking about the Patri patriarchs and of course uh, let me see here the ladies class is continues to meet the little chapel And uh, there's various teachers there talking about the domino effects. Let's take advantage of our Bible classes. These are wonderful opportunities for you to grow spiritually and interact with your brothers and sisters in Christ. We do want to express our deepest sympathy to Lisa Horn and the death of her father, Larry Dillard. Also, we want to express again our sympathy to Brother Buster Green and the death of his brother, Joe Green. Uh, We have a very big night, and I'm excited about this. I've heard a lot about it northeast night is coming up on august the 14th i've been told that this building will be jam packed full on that night Uh, i think this is an exciting opportunity for the church here and uh the northwest i know athletic teams are going to be here uh the president of the university will uh speak uh to the congregation here and introduce the faculty and staff and what I understand. And I just think there's a a, a wonderful opportunity here and let's look forward to it. And there's lots of help that's needed. Uh, Right now in the foyer, there are several sign up sheets for you to go and sign and bring up food. And I hope you'll do that as quickly as possible. As you sign up to bring something, we want you to know as well that uh, potato, what did you say potato what? Whole potatoes, whole potatoes, baked beans, and green beans are already down in the fellowship hall in cans. All you need to do is get one of those, and you can prepare it. You don't even have to go out and buy it. Just uh, get with Tommy and uh, get uh, a can of some of those kinds of beans and potatoes, and you can take them, and you can prepare that. But please sign the sheet as quickly as possible. Also, the Golden Circle Luncheon is coming up this Tuesday, August the 9th at 1130 AM. And that's always a wonderful time. And we're going to be hosting and hearing from the new women's basketball coach at Northeast as well as her assistant. So I'm excited about that. Uh, I've never uh, been that way with a head basketball coach, as far as them coming and speaking to an event like that and talking about what's going on. So let's, if you're in the golden circle, try to be a part of that this coming Tuesday. Uh, the pantry item this week is mac and cheese, so we need your help in that regard. For our worship tonight, uh, Turner Gibson is going to be leading our singing, and uh, Chris is going to dismiss us in prayer.
0: The invitation song tonight will be 902 Nothing But the Blood. 902. Uh, we'll be seeing five three five the glory land way.
2: sure and uh, pick up a bulletin tonight as uh, you're leaving it's got an updated list of all those that are sick and there's certainly several that uh, we need to take note of and remember in our prayers and try to encourage them so please be sure and get that tonight before you leave and uh, try to encourage uh, some of those that are sick any way that you can there was a teacher who had two new boys in her Sunday Bible class and in order to register the new boys she asked their names and their ages and their birthdays the bolder of the two boys said you know we're both seven my birthday is april 8th and my brother's birthday is april 20th well the teacher replied "Uh, that's impossible no it's not replied the quieter brother one of us is adopted well which one the teacher asked before she could kind of curb her tongue. And the boys looked at each other and smiled. And the bolder one said, well, we asked dad a while back and he just said he loved us both. And he simply couldn't remember which one was adopted. You know, that reminds me of the virtue of Christ's redeeming power. And by virtue of that redeeming power and our obedience, we have become joint heirs with Christ. We are as adopted sons and daughters in God's forever family, according to Romans chapter eight, verses 15 through 17. And think about what the Bible says tonight in First John chapter three and verse one, it says, "Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God." Tonight, if you're a child of God, you are the recipient of the greatest expression of love possible. You have become an adopted son or daughter of God through your obedience to the gospel and by the blood of Christ that was shed on Calvary. It may be tonight that that's not something that you could claim. Maybe you're outside of Christ. You may have never obeyed the gospel. And that being the case, you're outside God's family. You're outside the fold of God. But tonight, if you want to make that right, you can come tonight, believing in Christ with all of your heart. You can repent of your sins. You can be immersed in water tonight for the remission of your sins, and you can become a child of the father tonight. Or maybe you haven't been living in honor, of God your Father the way you should. Maybe there are some things you need to correct in your life tonight. And so we sing this song of encouragement, and if you're one who needs to come tonight, we ask that you do so now while we stand and sing. What can I